Welcome to the Word on Wednesday podcast for June 7. My name is John Mason. Thank you for joining us. With the anticipated arrival of summer in the Northern Hemisphere, the Word on Wednesday will offer a series of reflections on the letter to the Ephesians entitled Summer Growth. The substance of the letter goes to the heart of quintessential Christianity and plumbs the depths of biblical truth, providing riches that shape the mind and warm the heart. The letter was written to be read in churches in the region of ancient Asia Minor, modern Turkey, starting with the church in Ephesus. It may be helpful to imagine yourself sitting in church with the first eager listeners, when the wonders of this letter unfolded. After all, we are members of the same family. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he has set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Consider the opening lines, Paul, an envoy of Christ Jesus by the will of God, commissioned through God's decision. To the holy ones in Ephesus, he writes, regular people whose lives were separated from God through sin and who are now walking a new life of faith in Christ. Grace to you and peace. Being reconciled with God, may the rich kindness and favor of God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ rest on your minds and hearts. Then in one long sentence, From verses 3 through 14, we're drawn into God's awe-inspiring presence and cosmic plan, a plan that reveals the extraordinary grace of the triune God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the realm of spiritual realities. Paul begins. He continues by breaking out what this looks like in terms of God's pre-cosmic plans for his people, which includes their redemption 
and remission of their sins in Christ, as we read in verses 4 through 7, and their inheritance in Christ in verse 11, a relationship and hope that are sealed by the Spirit of God, verses 13 and 14. The theme of God's grace is palpable, dominating the whole scene. God is the subject of almost every main verb. It is He who has blessed us. He has freely bestowed upon us His grace. He has made known His will and purpose, which He set forth in Christ, to unite all things. He accomplishes all things according to the counsel of His will. Contrary to a stereotyped view, the God of the Bible delights in giving life, is kind and generous, warm-hearted and loving. So different from the impersonal force of Star Wars and the cold-blooded, ruthless rule of human dictatorships. How easy it is to nod sagely at Paul's words and yet fail to consider their substance, especially what they teach about God's grace. In verses 5 through 8, we learn what that grace cost God. He destined us for adoption as His children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace that He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace that He lavished upon us. God's glory is revealed in His grace, His extraordinary love for the unworthy, and despite what we like to think, none of us is worthy. And that glorious grace is supremely seen in the costly death of His Son. At the turn of the 5th century AD, Pelagius, a popular preacher, challenged the immorality of his day and urged people to live pure lives. His preaching seemed biblical until the North African theologian and bishop, Augustine, began to review his teaching. He pointed out that Pelagius was saying that it was only through right living that we had any hope of eternal life. In other words, Our hope of eternal life lay in using God as the one who sells us heaven. Augustine rightly commented that the Bible teaches that we are designed to love, but the tragedy is that we have turned love in on itself, from loving God to loving self. Our hearts need to be changed, something we can't do ourselves. In our Western world today, there's a culture of victimhood that blames the ills of the world on others. Underlying it all is the rejection of any sense of my personal failure. It's what happens when self-love dominates. And if there is life after death, most people reckon that they're good enough to make it. Tragically, Many professing Christians and churches have not grasped the reality of the cost of God's grace. They tell us Christianity is about love, but the focus is on loving one's neighbour and caring about the injustices of the world. They have no vocabulary for the cost of God's grace that required Christ's substitutionary death on the cross. In turn, they don't have a ministry or a liturgy 
that calls for repentance for sins and the assurance of God's forgiveness. God's plan is to build a vibrant new community of forgiven people. Eleven times we read the phrase, in Christ or in Him. And in verses 9 and 10 we learn that God's ultimate plan is to bring everything and everyone under the rule of Christ. Having believed, Paul continues, you are marked in Him, that is, in Christ, with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of His glory. God seals us as His own by putting His Spirit within us. Long before He had promised His people that He would take up residence within them, as we read in Jeremiah chapter 31. Ephesians is now telling us that the presence of God's Spirit within us is a down payment on our future inheritance. So one day, when I am asked why I should be given entrance into God's presence, I will ask that the book of life be checked. The presence of the Holy Spirit within me now assures me that my name will be found in the great register of God's people, listed as an adopted son of the Father, signed in by Jesus Christ, embossed with the great seal of the Holy Spirit of God. It is with humble, heartfelt thankfulness for the humility of our great and wonderful, all-glorious and loving God that I look forward to that day with joy because he's honoured me with a part in his epic story. So let me pray. Lord God, the strength of all who put their trust in you, mercifully accept our prayers. And because through the weakness of our mortal nature, we can do nothing good without you, grant us the help of your grace, so that in keeping your commandments, we may please you both in word and deed. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God, and of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be amongst us, and remain with us always. Amen. People involved in today's podcast are John Mason, speaker and writer, and April Marks, a member of Christ Church Presbyterian, San Francisco. The prayers are from an Australian prayer book, 1978. The opening and closing music is from St Andrew's Cathedral, Sydney, under the direction of Ross Cobb. Please let us know if you have a question or a comment about this podcast. We'd love to hear from you.